The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Keeper Cut Podcast, a proud member of the PitcherList Podcast Network. My name is Pete Ball. Normally, I'm accompanied, as you know, by Chad Young. Chad is unable to make it today, and so I hope I can do him proud and our listeners proud with a solo podcast. I don't even know if I have the stamina for this. We'll see. There's no shortage of topics to discuss. I'm going to be discussing recent prospect promotions and one recent prospect demotion. I'm sure you could guess who that is. It's somebody who I had on a few of my rosters who seemed to be hitting wonderfully, hit a double, hit a home run, and then mysteriously got demoted just because Carlos Correa came back. And that is Royce Lewis. But I don't want to start with Royce Lewis. I kind of want to get out of the way a player who almost no one is going to care about um, so that we can we can move on from him. But if you play in holds leagues or if you play in Fangraphs Points Leagues, where I just started an auction for him in one of the leagues that I'm in, one of the new leagues that I'm in that's Fangraph Points. And so, Chad, when you listen to this, please don't bid me up. And that's John Schreiber of my Boston Red Sox. He's not some prospect. He doesn't have blow-you-away velocity or anything like that. But for Fangraphs Points Leagues, where holds are just one less point than saves, and where clean innings with some strikeouts can yield you a lot of points, he's pretty valuable. The Red Sox have actually found someone for the bullpen who hasn't completely puked down their shirt every single time they take the mound. As a Red Sox fan, it's wonderful to see. So far, and this is not including today, in which I'm curious to see if he comes out for the ninth. It looks like actually he's not going to. Oh, no. It's Matt Barnes. Anyway, Schreiber in the eighth inning, one-run ball game. Um, or I'm sorry, it was a tie ball game at the time. One inning, no walks, no hits, two strikeouts. Uh, those two strikeouts came against, I should know this because I literally just saw it, uh, Dylan Moore and Eugenio Suarez. And this isn't an outlier for Schreiber this year. So at this point, I mean, I just gave you the innings. We're not dealing with a big sample size here so far, but he's been brilliant for the Red Sox in this small sample of, you know, six or seven or eight appearances, whatever it's been to this point. Now, if he, if it is a tiny sample, which I'm admitting to, and he's not a highly touted player and he's already 28 years old and he doesn't have like an outlier pitch or crazy velocity or anything like that, he typically lives in the low to mid 90s on the fastball. 
uh, then why am I talking about them? What's what's the big deal? Well, again, in these leagues that count holds, first of all, the Red Sox are going to lean on this guy pretty heavily. Um, and through those nine, inning pitched, nine innings pitched, he's averaged 9.44 points per innings pitched in Fangraph's points leagues. So where would that put him overall? That puts him 14th among all relief pitcher eligible pitchers so far this season. Uh, one really bad outing will obviously completely change that, but the point kind of remains that on a pitch-by-pitch, inning-by-inning basis, he's been 14th best. The names ahead of him, Hader, Rogers, Helsley, Jansen, Brandon Hughes, that's just 3.1 innings pitch. There's no qualifier here for um, minimum innings pitched. Sean Doolittle, who's on the 60-day IL, Devin Williams, JT Chargois, David Bednar, AJ Minter, Pierce Johnson, who's also on the IL, Brooks Raley, Danny Jimenez, who've both been pretty good, and then you have John Schreiber uh, coming in 14th in points per innings pitch. That's more than closers like Jordan Romano and Craig Kimbrell, uh, Edwin Diaz. That's more than relief pitchers who we typically associate with being pretty elite like Michael King or Alex Vesia, um, Matt Strom, who's another Red Sox bullpen piece that the only other Red Sox bullpen piece that does not puke down his shirt every single time he takes the mound. Um, so again, it's, it's only nine innings pitched. It's, it's, well, now it's, it's 10.1. So it's not anything that's set in stone, but John Schreiber is someone that's going to interest me because I'm telling you this Red Sox bullpen is bad. So if Alex Cora has found someone who he can actually rely on, he's going to do that. Um, his nine strikeouts, and actually now it's, it's up to 11. I gave you more in Suarez at the beginning of the pod. Uh, but his nine strikeouts have come against Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna Jr., Julio Rodriguez, Eugenio Suarez again, Chas McCormick, A.J. Pollock, Yasmani Grandal, Zach Collins, and Travis Demerit. So, I mean, obviously some lesser names towards the end there, but those are all proven, established, you know, in some cases, elite baseball players, hitters. So this isn't like this guy comes in to mop up um, and post some decent numbers, and so, you know, everything looks inflated. He's been called upon in some key situations. On April 27th, he came in to face Vlad Jr., Zach Collins, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He retired them in order. The next day, he came in to face Bo Bichette, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and Ramiel Tapia. Um, a few guys got on. I think there was a Matt Chapman double. Bottom line, though, he got out of the inning unscathed. Back-to-back nights. So far in this Mariners series, he's appeared in, I think it was three straight games now. The 19th, the 20th, the 21st. Three innings pitched, one inning per outing, one hit, no earned runs, no walks, four strikeouts, two holds. He's coming along here. And so if you are in those super deep leagues that count holds or it's like a Fangraphs points league, that kind of deal, um, I would start targeting John Schreiber, at least ride the hot hand. If like every other piece in the Red Sox bullpen, he falls apart, then I apologize. But if you had him to this point, which probably nobody has, but like I said, I'm starting to put a bid on him, bid in on him, uh, then he could be a pretty nice piece for you going forward. Now, there's three much more significant names that have been promoted uh, that I'm sure Chad and I would have talked about had he been here. And those are Adley Rushman, Nolan Gorman, um, and Matthew Libertore. And I want to make sure I'm saying that name correctly um, so that throughout this entire podcast, I'm not mispronouncing this poor kid's name. But we're going to start by talking about Adley Rushman uh, because obviously this is the biggest name of this group, even though you know, Libertore and Nolan Gorman are also 
pretty significant. Um, you know, top 100 prospects. When it comes to Adley Rushman, we're talking about literally the top prospect in baseball at a position that is absolutely brutal this season. Um, so Adley Rushman, Steamer projects him the rest of the way for 10 homers, 37 runs, 35 RBI, two stolen bases, and a 251 batting average, but a 349 OBP. Um, this is a guy who walks a lot. We're going we're gonna to talk more about that in just a second. He's already batting sixth today, so a lot of the times you see a prospect get called up. Royce, Royce Lewis is actually a good example. I think is pretty much the entire time he's in the major leagues, I'm pretty sure he's batting mostly ninth, if not at best eighth. But Rushman getting thrown right into it, batting sixth today, uh, should be added everywhere, but especially in on-base leagues. But I don't even think I need to make that qualifier. He just should be added everywhere because even though those steamer projections maybe don't jump off the page, he's the number one prospect in baseball. And again, catcher is a disaster. In the minor leagues, 778 minor league plate appearances. That's a 391 OBP, 30 homers. His Walks to strikeouts, he walked 110 times in the minor leagues in all those plate appearances. He struck out only 124 times. So this guy's going to be putting the ball in play with some authority. Why isn't he, why is he just getting promoted now? Well, if you remember back in March, he had a right tricep strain, which could be a little concerning, especially for a, a catcher who has an absolute hose for an arm. Uh, but there's no structural damage found through 82 plate appearances spread across high A, double A, triple A this year. Rushman hit 309 with a 427 OBP, three homers, nine RBI, 12 runs. His OPS was 942, and he had just, or he had 11 walks, I should say, um, to just seven strikeouts. So he's coming up at a time where he's absolutely locked in. Um, he's getting a pretty decent spot in the lineup, at least for some potential RBI opportunities. Obviously, we're not very excited about the Orioles lineup, but the sheer presence of Rushman should make it a little bit better. Um, one rival scout said in 2021, it's a complete package of physical tools accompanying skill to enact those tools and make up traits that you're going to find, particularly at that position. Now, why do I bring this up? I think there's always some hesitation with catcher prospects where we just sort of expect them to struggle at first. Um, I think that's fair, right? Like we see it with Joey Bard. He's a guy who Chad and I have talked a lot about in the past, um, as somebody who, strikes out a lot, is kind of struggled to get a foothold in, in the major leagues, and how much of that is due to the fact that he's trying to play the toughest position on the field other than pitcher and hit major league pitching at the same time. That's a common thing with a lot of catchers that get called up. But when I look at Adley Rushman, I think he can overcome those struggles because he's naturally such a gifted catcher. Um, he's going to be the one that brings comfort to the pitchers as opposed to major league pitchers stressing out Rushman and making him struggle at the plate. I don't think that's going to happen. I expect him to kind of be one of the top five to 10 catchers to start the year. Um, if you want to say it's a concern, uh, I guess a potential concern for him, I, I concern in quotes is that he pulls the ball a lot. And obviously left field at Camden is now a disaster for hitters, but fortunately he's a switch hitter. He'll probably see obviously more of his time hitting uh, as a lefty, and pulling the ball in Camden is, is still favorable for lefties. I mean, we saw it work wonders for Cedric Mullins last season. Um, so if anything, I, I'm not worried about the park. I don't think it's going to be a big issue for him. But if you were wondering about it, because it's been, you know, obviously pretty hard on guys like Ryan Mountcastle and Trey Mancini so far this season, I don't expect those same concerns for Rushman because I think a lot of his balls are just going to go to right field. When he's pulling it as a lefty, 
He's rostered in 33.5% of ESPN leagues, 90% of Fantrax leagues, and 65% of Yahoo leagues, which is actually just kind of funny. I mean, like three different extremes there, right? Like he's way too under-rostered on ESPN. I mean, he's under-rostered on Fantrax as well at only 90%. He should be 100% rostered. Um, and Yahoo at 65%. I don't know what that's all about, but uh, all those three should say 100% and should say that very soon. Even if you're in a 10-team league, like the the ninth, even the 8th, ninth, 10th best catchers are not that good. Currently on ESPN's Player Raider, if you were to filter it for catchers, the current top five catchers are Dalton Varsho, who's been good, you know, batting in the 250s, but he's been, he's been good. He's been what people wanted. Um, Wilson Contreras, another guy, he's hitting the ball extremely hard. Uh, the batting average isn't quite there. Tyler Stevenson, who is hitting for a high average, he's been okay. Real Muto, we kind of expect to be there. And then number five is Jonah Heim, uh, who's been splitting time, obviously, occasionally with Mitch Garver, who just came back and is, I think, only DH since he's come back. Heim has kind of hit himself um, into that lineup. But, I mean, the fact that Jonah Heim is fifth at that position kind of speaks volumes. In deeper leagues, the 14th best catcher this year, according to ESPN's player rater, is Francisco Mejia. All he has is seven runs, two homers, and 13 RBI in 46 at-bats. That sounds like one week of business for Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, And that's a stat line for the season so far, and that puts him at 14th overall for catchers. So, I mean, I don't need to keep beating this over the head. It's obvious, right? Catcher is a position of need for most people, especially this year, for whatever reason. Um, And Adley Rushman should be targeted by everybody. Top Top prospect in baseball called up. I don't know if he's going to be hitting for a high average right away, but the fact that he doesn't strike out like at all and he gets on base at a high clip should help keep his average from being in the territory of your Mitch Garvers and your Sean Murphys and guys like that. Um, And just the sheer pedigree of him, I, I, I like it a lot, obviously, going forward, and I know I'm not alone in those feelings. The next prospect that got called up that I want to talk about Nolan Gorman, he was called up on Friday. Gorman was hitting 308 with a 367 on base percentage at AAA, 15 homers, 31 runs, 23 RBI, and three stolen bases. We all kind of know what's concerning about Nolan Gorman. Everybody knows it at this point. You can't, you can't read about Nolan Gorman in his call-up without also seeing the 34% strikeout percentage. When you combine that with a 47% fly ball rate, in AAA this year, it's like, yes, it seems as if he's selling out for power, hack at it hard, hit it in the air, see where it goes. Um, that kind of combination, the swing and miss, the fly balls, he's going to bat for a low batting average. Unless he has some crazy outlier BABIP or he makes some kind of change at the major league level, which it's major league coaching, maybe some adjustment is made. He's in a lineup with Albert Pujols, maybe he says, hey, kid, come here, let me show you something. I'm not going to bet on that. Um, I'm going to bet that he has a pretty low batting average, but the power is real. Uh, With a future game power grade of 60 on the scouting scale, I mean, if he sold out for pop, he could be an interesting piece at second base where it's a position where we don't get a lot of power. And so I started thinking right away about Brandon Lowe. Uh, Brandon Lowe last year in 2021, uh, I think is a pretty good like ceiling for Nolan Gorman. Um, Look at their two numbers before you think like, wow, that's kind of an aggressive prediction. Like Brandon Lowe is one of the best second basemen in fantasy, even though he hasn't really performed like it this year. But Gorman in AAA this season, batting 379 against righties, 174 against lefties. 
and it was even worse last year. 47% fly ball rate, 34% strikeout rate. Now just listen to Brandon Lowe, MLB 2021. He hit 270 against righties. Obviously, it's not 379, but we can agree the Gorman 379 is kind of an outlier, but he hits righties a lot better. And Lowe only hit two, or I'm sorry, 198 against lefties. So another guy who really, like, almost looks like a platoon player. Like, can absolutely hit righties, really struggles. Really, really struggles with the lefties. I told you that Gorman's fly ball rate was 47%. That is well above the major league average. Um, If we were to look at the major league average for fly ball rate this season, that's at 36.6%. 36.6%. And Gorman's is up at 47% in AAA. That's how much this guy's kind of selling out for power. Brandon Lyle last year, 42.4%. Um, 42.4% fly ball rate is, is still really high. You see the similarities there. And then you look at the strikeout rate. Brandon Lau, 27.2 strikeout rate. Obviously, that's a lot better than the 34% mark that Gorman was posting in AAA. So maybe that is a little bit of a difference there. But we all kind of know Brandon Lowe is this, like, strikeout hitter. Um, he, he's not strikeout shy. The guy's going to K a lot. If you're closing in on a 30% K rate, you strike out a lot. And it's obviously a problem that Gorman has as well. So I look at succeeds against righties, really struggles against lefties, high fly ball rate, high strikeout rate. But because of that fly ball rate and because of how, much, how hard they hit the ball, both of these guys have pretty high ceilings, particularly for power at a position that usually doesn't generate a lot of power. Um, and so when I look at Gorman and I look at Brandon Lau, I say, okay, I can see the ceiling maybe for Gorman as being similar to this particular player. Um, Scott White of CBS, that, that's at CBS Scott White, tweeted out, uh, here are Nolan Gorman's matchups next week. Go get him, kid. And if you look at it, man, he's got... <laughs> On May 23rd, he's got Berrios. The next day, he's got Gossman. He's off on the 25th. And then he gets Woodruff, Freddy Peralta, Adrian Hauser, and Corbin Burns. Uh, I hope he enjoys that off day in between Kevin Gossman and Brandon Woodruff because that is quite a slate of pitchers to face. So I bring this up because if he does struggle next week, don't rush to drop him. He's still you know, a premier prospect in a pretty good lineup. I still want a piece of him. But he might struggle next week. If I'm in weekly leagues, I'm looking at those pitching matchups and definitely considering just leaving him on the bench, seeing how it goes. He's rostered 19.5% of ESPN leagues, 64% of Fantrax leagues, and 56% of Yahoo leagues. I don't know if those should all be up at 100. Um, for Gorman, second base, obviously a lot deeper than catcher. And in those two cases, Rushman, obviously a much higher, higher rated prospect than Gorman. But, I mean... Anything deeper than a 10-teamer, I think I would say Gorman is uh, is definitely worth worth the dice roll. Uh, somebody in your league should add him. Maybe not you, but somebody should be the one that adds Nolan Gorman. And honestly, he's there's so much hype around prospects being called up, and we're in the age of information. I'm willing to bet he's already been added in most of your leagues. Anyway, finally, that takes us to Matthew Libertore. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that name correctly. I'm trying to find it. I found a howtopronounce.com. And uh, it looks like I am pronouncing it correctly, so I'm going to continue to roll with that. If I'm not, I do apologize, uh, and we'll straighten that out once Chad gets here. I'm sure he knows how to pronounce it. Either way, Libertore called up. Uh, he's going to start tonight uh, for the Cardinals. Um, actually, did that game already start? Let me check. It has. We are in the end of the second inning, and it looks like, okay, so he, had, he ran into a little bit of trouble there uh, in the second inning. Two hits, one walk, two earned runs. 
but only 31 pitches through those two innings, so it couldn't have been too bad. He at least worked quickly to get out of it, and he does have a 4-2 lead, so maybe he ends up getting his first win of his career. That would be nice. Um, He was leading Memphis with his 3.83 ERA and ranked third among AAA pitchers in both innings pitched and strikeouts. This is courtesy of the press release on MLB.com. That's what I'm basically reading you right now. So he had 40 innings pitched. He struck out 46 at the time of his promotion. He compiled a career best 16.2 scoreless innings streak last month. Um, so he's another guy who's kind of like in the zone, and it makes sense that he got called up just like Rushman and just like Gorman. Uh, so that's, again, 40 innings pitched, 3.83 ERA, backed up by the 3.84 FIP, 3.64 XFIP with 46 strikeouts. In back-to-back April starts, he went seven full innings and gave up zero earned runs in either of those outings. Um, He struck out 16 over those total of 14 innings pitched, so that was a pretty impressive. I don't know how many major league pitchers have gone seven innings in back-to-back outings this season. That's an interesting stat to look up, but Libertore has already done that at AAA. The MLB average strikeout rate for pitchers this season is 22.5. Okay, so the K rate for your average MLB pitcher is 22.5. Libertore was at 22.9 in 2019. There was no minor league season in 2020, and then he was at 23.7 in 2021. So on the surface, if you just look at that three years, again, with one year not existing, he kind of just looks like an average strikeout pitcher. And yet, his strikeout rate this season has jumped to like 27, 28%. Um, that jump... I'm not sure how much to attribute that to his awesome curveball or or what kind of change he has made, but whatever the case may be, he's made some kind of adjustment that that definitely warrants a little bit of eye opening. Um, the projection systems have him for a, just a 7.06 K9, and that's that's courtesy of Steamer and a 4.37 ERA. I could see the ERA being there, um, but that strikeout strikeouts per nine that looks too low um that's not where he was at at triple a he was at 10.35 obviously it's harder to strike out major league hitters but they're also major league hitters that have never seen him before so i'm interested to see if he continues those developments in the strikeout department um deep arsenal excellent control low velocity he's got the capacity to go deeper into games as we've seen with a really strong highly graded curveball i kind of view him as like a ceiling of the lefty version of jose barrios from 2021 um curveball heavy you know control pitcher with above average strikeouts per nine and kind of middling velocity in 22 uh in 2022 he was up to 28.4 percent strikeout rate walk rate is just at 7.4 so there it is i told you it was like 27 percent the strikeout rate he's actually at 28.4 percent this season that's up again from if we were to look at his strikeout rate in 2021 his strikeout rate was at 23.7 percent and now it's up to 28.4, so that's like a 5 percentage point jump. Um, the walk rate is just at 7.4%. The MLB average walk rate is 8.6. So he's an above-average strikeout guy at AAA. He's a below-average walk guy, walk rate guy, I should say, at AAA, um, with a lot of experience, a lot of innings on that arm to kind of fine-tune his game and get ready. This is not a player that has been rushed to the major leagues by any stretch of the imagination. Um See, you package that together, and, and, and this could be somebody pretty solid. Um, he's not projected to be some frontline starter, but could he be a guy that goes decently deep into games? He's got a, a pretty deep arsenal. Yes. Right now, he's rostered on just 12.5% of ESPN leagues, 43% on Fantrax, 35% on Yahoo. 
kind of view him like Gorman in anything deeper than 10 teams. I would I would give him a roll of the dice, see how he does. Pitching has been pretty good this year, so you know I don't know how much I'm going to need Libertore in all my leagues, but if I am light on pitching or I just lost somebody to the IL, uh, Libertore is definitely an interesting stash, even, after, even, even if he gets roughed up tonight um, against the lowly Pirates. Finally, I do want to talk about Royce Lewis. Uh, Royce Lewis... In the major leagues, this is sad for me because I picked him up. I was so excited to roster him. 39 at-bats. He had two home runs, five RBI, five runs. He didn't steal any bases yet. That's fine. He's batting 308. He had just a 12.5% K rate. It was like, here we go. Former number one overall pick. Coming back from, I want to say it was a torn ACL. He's here. Like it, We are in the Royce Lewis era in Minnesota Twins baseball. Um, and then he gets sent down when Carlos Correa comes back. However, his first game since being sent down, he played third base. Tonight's his second game. He's playing left field. Clearly, they're moving him around. Um, Derek Falvey, the president of baseball operations over there in Minnesota, was quoted saying he hasn't really done it at multiple positions. We still want him to be a shortstop. We still want that skill to continue to be developed. But we also recognize, let's put him in AAA for a period of time, to get him some exposure to some other spots, move him around some so he can be ready to contribute in multiple places this year for us, maybe in the short to the medium term. The Twins are four games up in first place. They got to keep their foot in the gas pedal. If this kid shows he's competent at some other position, particularly left field, which is clearly an opening right now for the Twins, then I say call him right back up. And it sounds like you read between the lines there that that's what this is all about. It's like, all right, well, we don't want him to make a fool of himself at the major league level in one of these other positions. Let's make sure he can do it at AAA and then get him back up here. Um, even Jose Miranda hasn't really done anything. Uh, so maybe there's an opening there at third base. Maybe that's why he's, his first game was at third and his second game was in left field. I know Miranda's not playing third right now. I think he's been playing mostly first with Gio Urshela at third. But Royce Lewis is clearly ready. So as soon as he shows he can play one of these other positions, I think he's getting called back up. It's worth noting his first game down, he was 0 for 5 with four strikeouts in his first night back in AAA. I'm not going to read into that too much, but it doesn't look great. You know, it's it, it like maybe makes the front office feel more justified or maybe they take a step back and like, oh, that was really bad. Is he taking this the wrong way? You know, what's going on here? Maybe he was stressing about his new position. Um, maybe he needs a little bit more seasoning before we call him back up. It's just one game. I, I'm not going to overreact to it, but 0 for 5 with four strikeouts after you know, tearing up the major leagues. Clearly, there was some emotion involved in getting sent down. Did that affect his play? And is that why he had such a rough first game down? I don't know. Interested to see how he plays tonight. But anyway, before we get into any other players that I'm interested in picking up, because I think they're going to get called up soon, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well, from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball, even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, again, Pete here, Keeper Cut Podcast, flying solo without Chad this week. I do want to touch upon players that I think are going to get called up soon. This is not a prospect show. We don't pretend to be a prospect show. I don't watch as much minor league baseball as I'd like to. With that said, I follow on Twitter, obviously, everything that's going on. And I would say Chad and I have a pretty well-rounded idea of guys who are potentially going to get called up soon, be it their prospect pedigree or how hot they're performing at the upper levels of the minor leagues or whatever it might be. And when you play in keeper leagues and when you play in long-term leagues and certainly ought new leagues, you have to keep an eye, obviously, on the minor leagues to keep that competitive advantage over your opponents. But before I start talking about some of these names, I did mispronounce Brandon Lau. I... I swear when I read the name, in my head I say Lau, and yet for some reason whenever we're recording the podcast, I like panic, and he's always Brandon Lowe to me, and Nate Lowe is also Nate Lowe to me, and it's just a disaster, so my apologies, Brandon Lau, obviously. So anyway, let's start chatting about these guys, and let me get started, of course, with my own personal bias, my Boston Red Sox. Right now, they are continuing to trot out Jackie Bradley Jr. Now, I love Jackie Bradley Jr. I really do. He's been a Red Sox for a really long time. That memorable 2018 World Series. I got married that year. It was a big year for me. He was the ALCS MVP. I love JBJ. There'll always be a place in my heart for JBJ. But the dude's WRC Plus last season was 35. Now, he's almost doubled it this year. His WRC Plus right now is 60. (laughs) That's just... Not going to cut it. He's he's so far raised his batting average 30 points from 163 in 2021 to 193 in 2022. But the Red Sox are struggling. Um, well, they're not right now. They're, they're actually playing really well. Since they got swept by the White Sox, they split with Atlanta. They won a series against Texas. They won a series against Houston. They just beat the, fir- the Mariners for the first three games of that series. But... The bottom of the lineup still concerns me. I don't know how sustainable Franchi Cordero is right now, although it's been nice, and certainly he was tearing up AAA. But this is my long way of saying it's time for Jaron Duran. It is time for Jaron Duran. We saw it for the one game he was called up. Granted, it, it was like a bloop hit that turned into a triple. So when you look at the box score, you'd be like, well, it wasn't really a triple. But like that's what Jaron Duran brings to the table. He's electrifying. Like Once he gets going, he's awesome. He's 25 years old, so he's not some super, you know, young prospect. And the big concern for me last year and, and for most Red Sox fans when Jaron Duran was called up and ultimately he really struggled was you looked at that swing strike rate at AAA in 2021. That was at 15.4%. That's brutal. Your swing and strike rate is that bad at AAA. It's only going to get worse when you get to the major leagues. It didn't get that much worse. It just went up half a percentage point to 159 but that's really bad. It's really bad. So what's he doing this year? Well, it's down to 13.1. Now you can say that's still not great. It's not. The major league average swing strike rate for a hitter is 11.3%. So he's still, you know, a few percentage points above that. 
But if he's making improvements, if he's putting the ball in play more, well, that's where his skill set really plays up. So any kind of cut down on the strikeouts from Jaron Duran is going to get me excited. And bottom line, he's definitely not JBJ in the field. And I think Red Sox fans historically have really, as much as we all know how amazing Jackie Bradley Jr. is in the field, I don't think we always appreciate it enough, especially when looking at the alternatives. So he's not JBJ in the field, but man, he would be, he has to be an improvement at the plate. Right now, Jaron Duran at AAA. This season, he's batting 315 with a 912 OPS. He's got three homers, 17 RBI, and 10 stolen bases. I don't even need to look it up. I can tell you that those 10 stolen bases are more than the Red Sox have combined this season. Now, I'm not, for a baseball team, I'm not caring as much about stolen bases. But for fantasy, which is what this podcast is about, if Duran's called up, he's getting consistent playing time. He's not going to hit 315 like he is in the minors right now. But if he gets on base enough because he's cutting down on those strikeouts, he's obviously a huge boost to your stolen base total. Um, I could see him rattling off 20 steals in half a season. So he's definitely a guy I'm targeting. If you want to say, well, what's he doing for you lately? In May, he's only batting 258, but that is with two homers, three steals, uh, through just 62 at-bats in the month of May. I think it's only a matter of time until we see him back. They're winning right now, so there's no rush, but, man, he could really provide a jolt to this team. So Jaron Duran is definitely somebody that I'm looking for uh, in my leagues. I'm pretty sure I got him in TGFBI. I can't remember. Yeah, I th- I'm still holding on to him there. In a format like that, you know, season-long roto, Jaron Duran definitely is going to have some value as soon as he gets called up. Some other names to keep an eye on. Um, I think Edward Cabrera, with his most recent outing and the fact that he got a taste of the major leagues last year, has leapfrogged Max Meyer in terms of who's going to enter that Marlins rotation next. Cabrera's last outing at AAA actually was against was against Durham, so that was on May 20th. Six innings, two earned runs, 11 strikeouts. Um, so it was kind of like a, a coming out party for Edward Cabrera, you know, re-entering hopefully that somewhat elite status he had as a prospect. He really struggled his outing before that, but otherwise he's been pretty good since returning from injury and starting his minor league season. Whereas if you look at Max Meyer, man, he's had a tough go of it his last two outings. His last two outings in Jacksonville, 8.1 total innings pitched, 14 earned runs, four homers. So if you're stashing Max Meyer and you saw the Jesus Lazardo injury, and man, I hope Jesus Lazardo is okay, but that's a that's a scary situation there with the elbow. Um, I think Cabrera has leapfrogged Max Meyer, so we'll see. Um, I, maybe you already expected Cabrera to get the call before Meyer did. I would say the way things were trending, Cabrera coming off injury, Max Meyer tearing things up. That I thought you know we were going to see Meyer first this season. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. And so that begs the question: Well, is is Cabrera actually worth stashing? And I, I think there's a good conversation to be had about stashing prospects definitely in first of all stashing prospects and redraft sounds silly when it's a prospect you know is going to get called up it's certainly less silly with how strong pitching has been this year and maybe it hasn't been overall but I feel like there's been plenty of pitching to go around I don't know how much I care about rookie starting pitchers like unless I really really need them I'm not I'm not bending over backwards to bring them in but in your long-term formats I think Cabrera still has good upside Max Meyer 
not that this is about Max Meyer, but Max Meyer obviously has tremendous upside. He's he's already rostered in all your keeper leagues, all your Otnu leagues, so he's almost not worth talking about. But Cabrera, um, for this season, could be interesting. I do think he's going to get called up soon. Obviously, long term, I do have some interest. I had him for a few bucks in an Otnu league, but after that injury, I ended up cutting him. I might put in a might put in a bid for him uh, today. We'll see. But uh, Cabrera coming off of his best outing of the season, six innings, 11 strikeouts, just two earned runs, just five hits and uh, one walk. So definitely interested in Cabrera. I think if a spot opens up in that rotation, he's getting that call before Max Meyer does. And I don't know if we would have felt that way just a few weeks ago. Now with the promotion of Adley Rushman, many are suspecting D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez will follow behind him pretty quickly. I don't know how accurate those feelings are. I know D.L. Hall is coming off injury. He basically just started his minor league season. But Grayson Rodriguez, man, of all these elite pitching prospects, Boz, Rodriguez, Meyer, I think I might like Grayson Rodriguez the most. And I know that sounds silly because Boz pitched in the major leagues last season and dominated. I, I don't know the numbers, but I know Eno Saris of The Athletic was tweeting out his stuff plus grades. and like, man, they were up there with some of the best names in baseball. But Grayson Rodriguez, he just, he's like unchallenged. Um, so, like, compare his his numbers at AA last year to his numbers at AAA this year. It's like he moved up a level, and yet nothing has changed. In 2021 at AA, this is through 18 starts, about 80 innings pitched. A strikeouts per nine of 13.67. His strikeouts per nine this season at AAA, through 37 innings, 13.74. Basically, no change. His walk rate has gone up about a half um, percentage point. His walks per nine, about a, about a half a walk. Um, that's not a concern for me at this point. Strain rate looks the same. His ground ball rate has actually gone up at AAA. Um, and then you look at his peripherals. I mean, 2.6 ERA last year. Right now, he's at a 2.65. But the FIP and the XFIP are even better this year, a level up from where he was. This kid looked incredible. The strikeout rate last year, 39%. Strikeout rate this year, 38.5%. He's gone up a level, and almost nothing has changed for him. Very interested to see where it goes from here when the Orioles finally call him up. I know there were some that were expecting to see Adley Rushman last year. We never did. Is the same thing going to happen to Grayson Rodriguez? Is there no rush to, to get him to the major leagues? Maybe give him a full season of dominating AAA and maybe a start or two at the end of the year, which would basically make him not worth stashing. I don't know. But if you have him in your keeper leagues, have him in your hot new leagues, you're holding on tight. I wouldn't move this guy for almost anything unless it's, you know, a package of players that's going to help me win this year because my window of contention is right now because this kid has the makeup, the the scouting reports, the certainly the minor league numbers to probably be one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's a very aggressive prediction, especially for a pitching prospect. We always see how this goes. Think of all the former, like, number one pitching prospects in baseball from your Mackenzie Gores, who's finally maybe figuring things out, to Forrest Whitley. A little bit of a sad story with all the injuries there. Who knows? But I like this kid. He's getting really close. He's dominating AAA. You know what the next step is. And if they just called up Rushman, maybe Rodriguez is not too far behind. So if you are in those redraft leagues, I know this is keeper cut. I know. In all your keeper leagues and all your hot new leagues, he's rostered. But in redraft, I would start targeting Grayson Rodriguez if he is not already rostered. 
We also got those two first basemen in Kansas City. That's Vinny Pasquantino and that's Nick Prado. Now Prado, I think, is he's higher up on. So if you look at like MLB Pipeline, you know Pasquantino is not even on there, um, and Nick Prado is actually pretty high up there. I actually think if somebody gets the call, it's going to be Pasquantino. Um, he's having a better season, although both of them have really struggled in May so far. So right now in May, Pasquantino is hitting 239. But that is with six homers in just 67 at-bats. Prado having a much harder time of it basically all season. In May, he's just hitting 189 um, with three home runs. So if one of these young Homer hitting first baseman uh, within the Royal system gets the call. I do have a feeling it's going to be Pasquantino. But that really requires Carlos Santana to continue to drop off, which like, sounds silly. But man, he's a little bit of a mystery. He's batting 135. Okay. Now the on-base percentage is still 294 because he's in the 100th percentile for walk percentage, which should surprise absolutely nobody. But like, I don't know, take a second to look at Carlos Santana's stack ass page. And try to find for me, like, what's different? What's different? The walk rate, still absurdly high. The strikeout rate, still absurdly low. He's actually posting his lowest strikeout rate since 2018. So it's not, it's not the plate discipline. It's not the launch angle. He's a career 13.3 degree launch angle guy. He's at 13.2 right now. His max EV has not caught up to where it's been for his career, but like by like two miles per hour. And that's one batted ball event. Who cares? His average exit velocity for his career, 89.8. Right now, it's 89.2. His barrel rate for his career, 7.9. Okay, he's down to 6.8. But he's been consistently at 6.8 or 6.7 for three years straight. I'm trying to find the difference here. Look at the batted ball profile. His ground ball rate is actually down two percentage points, but just two from his career average. His fly ball rate is up, which is something that we should want to see. His line drive rate is down, I guess, three percentage points. Um, he's pulling the ball a little bit more, which again, you know, less ground balls, more fly balls, pulling the ball. That's stuff that like we kind of want to see. And yet he's just having this terrible, terrible season. Now I could do the same thing for the plate discipline stuff from his zone percentage to his chase rate and all that stuff. But I'm not seeing a difference really between what he's been for his entire career if you take out that outlier 2019. I'm just not seeing what the difference is. And he's getting paid so much money that maybe he is a block to those kids. I don't think he really is. But you look at that and it's like, well, there should be, I guess, something more here than what we've seen. Again, that outlier 2019 was exactly that. It was an outlier. His highest average exit velocity ever, 34 homers. That was tied for a career high. 93 RBI. That was a career high. That was an absurd season. But otherwise, you look at the data for this season and all those others. I just don't see that much of a difference. So why am I bringing that up? Well, I mean, they're obviously in the way, right, of Prado. They're in the way, or he is in the way of Prado. He is in the way of Pasquantino. Um, with Melendez up now, and he's hitting, he's going to be catching, and Salvador Perez is going to be back, and he's going to be DHing, and he's going to be catching. It is a little bit of a shaky situation. But if I had to pick one of these guys to roster, well, I'm not rostering Carlos Santana. And I don't think it's going to be Nick Prado. Um, who, by the way, is a year younger than Vinny Pasquantino. I'm going to maybe take a flyer on Vinny Pasquantino. Um, he's a guy who might even be available in your keeper leagues. Again, he wasn't even on the MLB Pipeline Top 100. Um, but he's had, a, he's had a decent season. So the stat, I gave you May, but the stat line for the season, nine homers, 35, 35 RBI, even chipping in three steals, and the OPS is up at 922. 
So whenever the Royals are ready to, to bring up their next young stud, you know, Witt Jr. started the season with the team, MJ Melendez came up, and they had been calling up their starting pitchers pretty early um, over the last couple of years. I mean, you can think of all the debuts that were somewhat surprising, be it Jackson Kowar, Daniel Lynch, um, and there's one or two others that I, I can't think of where like their debut just like it seemed to come out of nowhere. It's like, oh, wow, so-and-so is getting called up. Oh, wow, Daniel Lynch is going to pitch. Maybe Pasquantino surprises us and gets called up a little bit sooner. And if anything happens to Carlos Santana, I have to assume um, that's going to happen pretty quickly. You know, with that said, he's been a, he's pretty much been a rock for a long time now in terms of playing time. Um, he has played at least 150 games every single season of his career, except for 2012, where he only played 143 in his rookie season, where he only played 46, obviously. Um, and then yeah, 2020, there was only 60 games. He played all 60. So maybe, you know, having that, uh, hope that, Santana maybe wants some time off or starts getting rested. That's not something that he's done for his career. So uh, that might be a little bit far-fetched. Finally, uh, Josh Lowe. Josh Lowe, as opposed to Brandon Lau, as opposed to Nate Lowe, his brother for the Texas Rangers. Um, I'm, not, I'm not ready to give up yet. I mean, nobody is. I don't, I don't mean to say that as if it's like a hot take. Um, so far in May at AAA, you know, he was demoted. He's hitting 276. That's fine. Uh, the OPS is over 900. That's awesome. He has hit four homers, 18 RBI. He's chipped in two steals. Only been, well, I should say, only been caught once, but he's only attempted three, so it's not that great. But he has struck out 28 times in 58 at bats so far in May. Not sure what that's all about. Obviously, that rate is terrible. Um, so maybe expecting him back soon is unrealistic. I think in redraft leagues, if you haven't dropped him, he's absolutely droppable. And if you are looking for a different prospect to stash, any of these other names that we've talked about, obviously, especially if you need pitching, could certainly be interesting. Um, in your keeper leagues, and your dynasty leagues, I've got Josh Lowe in our listener keeper league, head-to-head league on Fantrax. I've also got him in at least one dynasty league on ESPN. Um, I'm not looking to sell or anything like that. It's just, yeah, he disappointed at the beginning of the year, and now he's kind of struggling in the minors a little bit. But um, I have faith that he'll he'll right the ship and, and get going here. His season last year, as much as it was out of nowhere, it was too good to be too much of a fluke. Again, in, tw- in 2021 at AAA, he hit 291. The OPS was 916, slugged 22 homers, stole 26 bases. That kind of upside is just... I'm not gonna. I'm not ready to move on from that just yet. But keep an eye on that strikeout rate because 28 strikeouts in whatever I said, 56 at bats or whatever, um, is obviously not a uh, not a pace that he wants to keep up there. Anyway, folks, uh, thank you for listening to me stammering here for however long this was. Uh, we're heading hitting the 45 minute mark. You can follow the show at at Keeper Cut. You can follow me at at PP Baseball. You can follow Chad at at Chad. Young will be pushing out episodes all season, every Monday. Don't worry, it's not always going to be about players as relevant as John Schreiber or Carlos Santana, but I stick by what I said this episode. I think there's some good information in there, um, and good luck. Make those moves. Best of luck this week with your leagues. <laughs>